Welcome to the Manuscript Academy podcast, brought to you by a writer and an agent who both believe that education is key. The beauty is the people you meet along the way, and that community makes all the difference. Here at the Manuscript Academy, you can learn the skills, make the connections, and have access to experts all from home. I'm Julie Kingsley. And I'm Jessica Sinsheimer. Put down your pens, pause your word counts, and enjoy. I am Rachel Ekstrom Courage, and I'm a literary agent at the Irene Goodman Agency, which is based in New York, and I split my time between New York City and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I am looking for a whole range of things. Um, In the adult world, I am looking for women's fiction, psychological thrillers, mysteries, and nonfiction. And then on the children's side, I am interested in YA and middle grade. And I'm also dabbling in some nonfiction in those younger genres as well. That's a great list. Thank you. So tell us what meetings are usually like at conferences for you. Okay, so I do go to a lot of conferences, um, and it's been really draining and overwhelming, but also fun, and that's just me. Um, So I think when I meet with people at conferences, sometimes it's just for three minutes or five minutes, or it can be longer, and I think that the people tend to feel a little rushed and a little stressed about it. Because sometimes you're in a room with other people having their meetings um, or you're standing in a line waiting for your turn and someone's timing you. Um, I always try to put people at ease. I'm friendly. I smile. I try to have a regular conversation. Um, But it is kind of a hectic atmosphere when you're trying to be heard over the other people having meetings. Um, And I think people get nervous when they're meeting an agent or an editor sometimes. When you talked about the whole idea of the timer, yeah. and like, like it all, it kind of brings you back to gym class, right? <laughs> Where yeah. everyone has the timer <laughs> and there's sometimes like a whistle. <laughs> and if you think about that, I think that that causes people to be stressed just in general. <laughs> like, yeah. It's kind of ridiculous. Well, it I mean, takes... Yeah, it takes a focus off the what you're saying and like how fast you can say it or how much you can get through. Um, So it can make it can make people nervous. I will, you know, sometimes they have someone who's doing the timing for you and it's less awkward, but sometimes you're doing it yourself on your iPhone. And it's really hard because I don't want to cut someone off, especially if they're you know, telling me their life story or a memoir about something, you know, very serious that happened to them. You don't want to say, uh, sorry, next. Um, Two minute warning. Yeah. One minute warning. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So it's a little bit nerve wracking. I do like meeting people and talking to people outside of the email inbox. I really do. Um, but I think some people get nervous. Other people are more comfortable in that situation, and it's and it's a good opportunity for them to to pitch and talk, and they like to shake hands, and they like to sit across the table from someone. But most authors, even if they like to network and chit-chat, they find it a little stressful. Yeah, I also think a lot of the standard conference setup is 
something that adds pressure. You know, there's so much that adds pressure. It's the time. It's that you had to travel. You had to get dressed. You have to worry about your hair. You have to worry about what your face is doing. Um, All these things that make it so that you can't really focus on the work when, of course, the work is the most important thing. Yeah, I think part of it is also there's a lot going on at a conference. So when I'm there, I'm mainly there to meet with authors, but I think writers go because they're, they're meeting with agents and editors, or they're going to all these workshops and classes and panels. So there's a lot going on in their mind and there's a lot of distraction with other people practicing their pitches in the hallway or, uh, so I feel like having other people around is a great resource sometimes for writers, but there's this thing that I call darting eye syndrome, where when you're at a, it could be a party or it could be at an industry event and you're talking to someone, but they're kind of looking around the room. Their eyes are darting around in case, oh, is there someone else I should be talking to? Is there someone better? And I feel like sometimes that happens and you can't just focus on the conversation or, you know, you're having a, a great conversation with a writer and maybe you asked for a partial manuscript or a full manuscript or it was just a, a good conversation. But then someone, uh, you know, three desks down says, oh, well, I had this conversation and it makes them, makes the writer doubt the feedback that they got or because that agent didn't ask for a full manuscript, does it mean that theirs isn't any good? So I think sometimes there's a little bit of that competition or darting eye syndrome that happens. Um, I've had some really good interactions with people. I do tend to like to meet people and I'll want to request things that if I hear about them, but it's it's also really hard to know just from verbally discussing something. So I'd like to see some of the pages or the query letter. So we have something concrete to discuss. Um, Cause I feel like, you know, almost anything could be pitched in a way that makes it sound bad or good. And you want to get in a little bit into a little bit more detail. It's always strange to me that in-person conferences instruct people to never, ever, ever bring a page. Yes, I I agree. And I think that's because they probably don't want people reading off of it or if it's a really short, you know, two-minute pitch session. But I find it really helpful, and I think it puts puts people at ease. Um, I, I just think that it's more about having a conversation than preparing and memorizing a statement and then seeing the statement and then assuming some outcome is going to happen. It's really much more of a give or take, just like I can't predict what people are going to come and talk to me about. They can't necessarily predict if, you know, I'm not necessarily going to say yes, definitely, or absolutely not. It's much more of a conversation with me. Yeah, it should be. So, Rachel, what do you think is the best way someone can go in and use their time? Honestly, some of the really good sessions I've had are when people come with specific questions. They don't come in with a huge agenda like, I am going to snag an agent or get a book deal deal on the spot. They say they want to try things out. They want to say, this is what my book is about do you think it's this genre or how do you think I should position it? Or this is what I've written, you know, 
are people, are publishers looking for this? Or do you have any suggestions for me in reaching out to specific agents, specific publishers? So I think when people come in with a specific question, and for me, the most common one is genre or how to position their book. They may have written something and they might they might know the broad genre, but not the specific category. Or they may say, well, it's sci-fi, but it's also a love story, and there's a mystery, and it's YA, and it's this. And I can help them figure out what it really is or what, what to call it, at least enough to intrigue an agent while still being authentic to the project. So I think getting specific answers on that, um, asking questions about... If that agent, for example, that you're lucky enough to talk to or meet with, even if they don't necessarily rep your genre, but you've been matched up with them, is there someone else at their agency who does, or can they give you other suggestions of names? Can they also help you think up any cool comp titles, um, which are comparative or competitive titles? So if someone's talking to me about a memoir or a women's fiction novel or a middle grade novel, um, it really helps me if they can say what kind of books that are out there in the marketplace that theirs is similar to. And I think having an industry professional help you pick those is helpful because some people are picking comp titles that are 10, 15 years old, which is not exactly useful the way that we use them in publishing, um, or, or they'll use comps that are too big or too small. So I think that people that come in with specific questions like that, um, people that come with a notebook and a pad of paper, I mean, it. these meetings can go quickly, and I often take notes when I'm having these meetings just because it helps me think better. Um, and I'm always surprised when someone has paid for or sits down to a meeting with an agent or editor and then they don't take notes um, because it does the time does go fast and they may say something that you want to return to later um, or have a really good suggestion. And I think when listening happens on both sides, it's not just a pitch and a response, but it's kind of questions on both sides where you're really getting to know what is this project and who is this writer and who is this agent and how might you guys connect over this project is when the really, the really interesting conversations that turn into something more happen. That's awesome. I'm wondering, you said something in the middle of that where you said, talked about comp titles. And oh, yeah. talked about how some people use too big of a comp and too mm-hmm. small of a comp. And that's something that you know, at the Manuscript Academy, I've seen over and over again on people's queries. Can you just go a little bit more into that for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. This is something that comes up a lot because if people have done a little bit of research in doing query letters um, or they've gone to panels with agents, they have heard this term comp titles bandied about. And I must say a lot of other agents that I'm on panels with or that I know, they don't like it when authors use comp titles, but it's only because authors tend to use them incorrectly or in a way that doesn't actually help them. Um, I find it useful because it's helping me think about how does the author, how's the writer think of this book? Um, But when we say too big or too small, I'm talking in terms of sales or awareness. So if someone comes to me and says, I've written a book 
which is Harry Potter meets the Da Vinci Code or, you know, Twilight meets the Bible or something, you know, something like that ginormous, <laughs> humongous books that are best selling that everyone has heard of, if not read. And it starts to not be helpful because those are just such big books that have sold so many copies that it's really hard to, it's really hard to back up. Maybe your book really is that good and will sell that many copies, but you, it's kind of hard to say that this early in the process. So they almost become meaningless if you use a, just a giant, giant bestseller, especially if they don't really have a relationship to each other. Harry Potter meets the Da Vinci Code sounds to me like you picked two big books that you've heard of um, <laughs> and thought that would sound enticing. Now, if your book really does draw on certain themes, if it's more of a thematic comp because it's it's because it has magic in it or because it is using art to tell a historical story about a conspiracy, then, you know, then explain that. Too small means it's a book that's so obscure or sold not very, not in high numbers, so it, it won't be really useful to someone because agents and publishers, everyone along the food chain I guess is a way to say it, but everyone along the production chain for a book is trying to sell a book to someone else. You know, agents, uh, authors are trying to sell agents. Agents are trying to sell to editors at publishers. Editors at the publishing house are trying to sell their own bosses and their own sales teams. The sales teams are trying to sell the booksellers. The booksellers are trying to sell the readers and, and in various different ways. I mean, we have library and outreach. We have authors reaching out directly to readers, but Everyone is always trying to get someone to read their book. So you want to show that there's a big audience. So if you're picking a book that only sold, you know, 25 copies or under a thousand copies as your comp, one, the agent may well not have heard of this book. And two, it's not demonstrating that there's a big audience. If your book is just like this other book that didn't sell very well, that is not demonstrating that your book is going to have a good good sales track. So I think it's better to pick books that are somewhat in the middle that have sold well, um, but that are not giant and so huge. Now, if it's the perfect comp, you can use it. And I would then mention yet another book and sometimes movies and TV work too. If you're trying to say it has the atmosphere of such and such, or it's gritty like this, or it's set in the Mad Men era, but it's this. So I think it's helpful to bring in pop culture too, if you're really stuck. Um, also, if you're men mentioning other books, it should be books published, honestly, between the m one and three years. One and two years is ideal. Um, sometimes you can go back a little farther, but because the industry is changing so much, sales figures from seven, ten, and beyond years ago are not as relevant today. Um, now, how would a writer know this? You're writing away. How do you know if something sold well? Uh, as an agent, I can look up book sales on BookScan, and, and there's other ways I can find out book sales. Basically, you can get some idea from looking at a book's presence online and seeing the kind of media coverage it got, if it got a lot of reviews online, etc. Um, so you can kind of gauge it that way. But there are some books that get a lot of attention and don't have a lot of sales. And there are books that sold really well, but 
you wouldn't, you know, maybe they weren't reviewed by the New York Times Book Review. So these are some things you might not be able to figure out on your own. Um, use your best judgment, and then an agent will help guide you if you sign with that agent to pick the best comp titles when pitching you to publishers. Um, if they decide they do want to mention comp titles. And and I would say it comes up a lot in conversations. It is important these days. Thank you so much. That was awesome. I mean, this is the stuff that you just, you have to be in the industry a long time and, and know other people in the industry a long time to really kind of get all the pieces you need to be successful in a way. And something as simple as a comp can throw off the reader. It can, you know? So. yeah. Yeah, really interesting kind of just conversations I think we're going to have around this. Or just the way you're talking about genre. I mean, even someone who everything else could be awesome and they say fictional novel or they say or they just say some kind of term that just falls wrong. And I don't expect authors or writers out there to be experts. That's what they have an agent for, you know. But I do expect them to know a little bit about the field they're stepping into, a li- you know, reading widely in their genre and, and demonstrate a little, a little bit of knowledge um, along with the passion in their own project. And so, but it is hard. I mean, there are authors that I work with that have published books, like several books over the years, and there are still things that are that are new to them. The industry changes and they'll ask a question and you'll think, gosh, you know, they never, they, that never came up for them before. They don't automatically know what this thing is. Yeah. And I also think that a lot of their research is kind of a moving target because you Google one thing and you get one answer and then you look at the next Google result and it says the complete opposite of that. And so if you can just ask a person who's in the industry, that can save you so much time and get you headed in the right direction. Yeah, I agree. Especially because so much, yeah, so much is changing rapidly that some of the data that someone may have had, especially if they've self-published something, may not be so relevant to someone trying to do the same thing today. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. I think this is great. Thank you so, so much. Yay. Thank you, guys. We are so glad that you joined us. And as always, we appreciate your feedback. Just head on over to the iTunes store and let us know what you think. It not only helps us make this podcast be the best it can be, but it also affects our ratings within the iTunes platform. We'd love to hear from you. If you're feeling brave and want to submit your page for our first pages podcast, you can send it to academy at manuscriptwishlist.com with first pages podcast in the subject line. We'd also just love to hear from you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Manuscript Academy and everything we have to offer, just jump on over to Manuscript Academy dot com.